0: A religious Jew believes God exists, the Torah is real, it's God's word for his people, and it's binding upon us. A secular Jew on the other end of the spectrum may or may not believe God exists. In fact, many don't. They don't participate in the rabbinic religious system as binding upon their lives for righteousness' sake.
1: Welcome to A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. I'm your host, Carly Berna.
0: And I'm Ezra Benjamin.
1: I'm a Gentile Christian, and Ezra is a Jewish believer. but We both have in common that we believe in Jesus. We believe God is doing something unique among the Jewish people around the world. And we're here to inform you on matters affecting you in the Christian world. Today, we're going to talk specifically about the people of Israel. We've been doing um, a multiple part series on understanding Israel. So this is the third installment of that series, where we'll focus specifically on the people of Israel. You'll learn What is a Jewish person? What's the differences between a secular Jew, a religious Jew, a Messianic Jew? Um, And even we'll debunk some common misconceptions about the Jewish people. So let's discuss. So, Ezra, uh, this series is kind of asking you a lot of questions because you are a Jewish believer. So you have a a very different angle and background. uh, So we can share with our primarily Christian audience So I know when I first started working at Jewish Voice, where we both work, when I thought of a Jewish person, you know, I would think of someone in New York eating a bagel, like that Mm -hmm. was just kind of my, my stereotype. So to ask you who are the Jewish people, I guess, what's the first thing you think of as someone who is Jewish and then define who are the Jewish people as a whole?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. And there's kind of a a running joke within the Jewish community, including within the Messianic Jewish community. If you have two Jews, you have three opinions, meaning on any issue, we're not only going to disagree with each other, we're probably going to be conflicted within ourselves. So let me just say at the beginning of this, Carly, I'm going to give some answers that I feel like are generally sound. We encourage our listeners to do their own research, talk to other Jewish friends, family members, teachers, even rabbis in the community, if you know some Messianic or from uh, other synagogues because you may get different answers and different opinions but one of the purposes of our podcast is really to try to educate our audience so that when we're talking about issues like Israel like what God's doing with the Jewish people the State of Israel the land the people we're not speaking and uh, offering our opinion as believers from a point of ignorance but at least from a place of basic understanding of what's going on from there we may disagree you and I disagree sometimes that's part of the the whole point of this podcast but just uh, our goal today is really to try to get to a basic foundational understanding of some of the terms we use and what they mean. So when I think, to answer your question, uh, after those kind of opening comments, when I think of uh, a Jewish person, who is a Jew, what is a Jew, I think of two things. Judaism is really one of the unique religions in the world, because it's not only a religion, it's not only a faith or a religious system. It's also an ethnicity, which makes it very unique. You know, like Christians, Christianity, people can be from any ethnicity and still be become a Christian, right? You receive Jesus, uh, you believe on him for salvation, and you're a Christian. And you're, you know, whatever, a Russian, an Iranian, an American, an Argentine. Um, There's not an ethnic element to it. Same thing even with Islam. Now The majority of, of Muslim people in the world are from an Arabic background, but uh, there's also Persians who are Muslims. There's also Americans, you know, Caucasians who are Muslims. Judaism, on the other hand, also carries kind of this ethnic marker. And where do we get that? It's from Abraham who had Ishmael and Isaac, but the Jewish identity per the Lord, like you can see that in Genesis, it's very clear, sticks with Isaac. And then Isaac has Jacob and Esau. But that marker of these people called Israel, actually Jacob becomes Israel after wrestling with the angel. And we'll talk about that in another podcast. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this is the fatherhood of the Jewish people. And that's a specific, uh, the word in Hebrew is uh, Zerah, which means seed. Uh, it's a specific ethnic line, it's a specific lineage, a specific heritage. So when I think of Jewish people, I'm thinking of the ethnic people who are from that original line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that's become now, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about this, but millions of people in the world, despite numerous, uh, the Holocaust and other attempts to annihilate the Jewish people throughout history, we remain. And an ethnically Jewish person. Any ethnically Jewish person could, if somehow they had a giant family tree and like, you know, 10 miles of paper to write this out on, would ultimately trace back to Jacob and then to Isaac and to Abraham. Uh, At the same time, not all ethnically Jewish people practice Judaism as a faith, as a religion. Many do. I'd even say most do, but some don't. And the fact that they don't practice Judaism doesn't mean they're not ethnically of a Jewish heritage in the same way. People who don't come uh, ethnically from the Jewish people have converted to Judaism and practice it as a religion. And they're also considered part of the Jewish people. But the majority of Jewish people fit into both of those categories. They identify as Jewish and they would say they have a Jewish faith. They believe that somehow they have this connection to the Jewish religion and they're ethnically from a Jewish background. So there's a little bit of overlap on either side, but generally that's how I'd, I'd answer the question. Who is a Jew? Who is a Jewish person?
1: Got it. Okay. So you just said, who is a Jew? Who is a Jewish person? One of my right. questions is, is it offensive to call someone a Jew? You know, we often say Jewish people, Jewish person, but you hear the word Jew. Is that is that something you take as an offense or is that is it okay to say that word?
0: Yeah. And, you know, this answer may may feel like I'm avoiding the question. I- I'm not. I think a lot of it, Carly, has to do with context. I'm not offended by being called a Jew because I am. I'm ethnically of a Jewish background. I live my life as a Jewish believer in Jesus, but very much holy. you know, in terms of practicing the Jewish faith. I live as a Jew. If I had to die for being a Jew, I would be willing to die because that's who I am. I can't take that away from my identity, ethnic or faith-wise. But I think it depends on context. If somebody's saying Ezra is a Jew because they're identifying me as part of the Jewish community, fine. Like That's not untrue. If they're saying Ezra is a Jew to imply Ezra is a representation of this entire people group, uh, maybe a little touchier. But still not untrue. But if they're saying Ezra is a Jew. And the you know the silent parentheses is therefore every negative connotation I have about this entire people group applies to him, and everything I don't like about him becomes an indicator of how I should feel about that whole people group. It would be mildly offensive to me, perhaps I'd get over it, but it's not going to help me build relationship with somebody who says, "Ah, you're a Jew." You know, it's so a lot of it's context, and I think Carly, that's you know, especially in our world today, that's not just true of Jewish people, right? Like. If I meet somebody on the street who's Latino, you know, they come from, let's say, Guadalajara. You know, we have a big Mexican and Mexican-American population here in Arizona where we're uh, recording this podcast from. If I say, you know, Maria is Mexican, not Mm -hmm. untrue. But if I go, oh, Maria, she's a Mexican, right? Right. I'm, I'm saying something different. Like, in a way, I would say generally Jewish is the softer term to use because it's describing me as a person and my relationship to people, to a people group saying a Jew is saying, I'm part of this larger people group. And then I would say when you're talking to a Jewish person, especially if you don't have kind of a strong relationship and a lot of trust in history built there, when you say they're a Jew, unfortunately, because of our history, that Jewish person may be thinking, what's the next thing that's going to come out of their mouth? Mm-hmm. So Jewish is a softer term to use, and you're talking about the person, not the people group. So there's a long answer to your short question.
1: So there's a lot of different types of Jews You know, you can think of religious Jews, secular Jews, Israelis, Hebrews, Messianic Jews, even the Lost Tribes. Can you kind of like quickly define those on a scale or however you see those in your worldview?
0: Sure. I'll try to give like uh, one or two sentences about each of those groups you just mentioned and then some others. So we understand when we say a Jew, a Jewish person, somebody's Jewish or the Jewish people, there's different segments or subcommunities within that identifier and really carly depending on the country or the region of the world you're in those identifiers those subcommunities are going to be specific to those regions and their own history i'll give you an example there's a community called conservative jews and then Reform jews in north america in uh, u.s and canada and if you're a resident of the u.s which many most of our listeners are you may drive down the street and you pass a synagogue and it might say conservative jewish synagogue or you you might know it as a reformed jewish synagogue those are identifiers that describe where you are on the spectrum of do you believe that god actually exists and that the torah the first five books of the of the bible are actually written by God, this is God's word to God's people. Like, do do you believe that that's true? If you do, you're conservative. If you identify as Jewish, but you're not really sure if God exists or not, you would identify maybe as reformed. And if you say God doesn't exist, you're secular. But those identifiers, Carly, only exist really within North America and in some cases, Europe. They They were sort of developments within the subset of the five or so million Jewish people living in the United States. There's no such thing in the state of Israel as a conservative versus reform. It's not a term that's used because their history didn't require those kinds of divisions. So I would say, again, know your community, know where you live, research the uniquenesses of the Jewish community uh, where you are. But generally uh, speaking more broadly in Israel or otherwise, when we say a religious Jew, what that means is somebody who believes God exists, believes that the Torah, the first five books Uh, Genesis through Deuteronomy, are God's word to a chosen people and that we're required to live by it, that the law is binding upon us for righteousness' sake. And in Israel, if somebody's, quote-unquote, a religious Jew, you're going to know that because the men, or you're going to know it in the case of the men, because they wear a kippah or a yarmulke on their head. They wear a head covering. So if you're walking down the street in Israel and you see somebody with a head, with a kippah, that means that that man and his family keep shabbat they honor that day the sabbath day the shabbat friday night to saturday night talk about that in another podcast as holy they're not driving they're not working they're not on their cell phone they're not conducting business they're not spending money and that's the identifier it makes it really easy and then if you see a man in israel walking down the street who not only has a head covering but it's black in color all black that means not only does he and his family keep the the sabbath the shabbat but also that man doesn't touch women because he believes in this sort of Uh, fence around the Torah, which says not only should I not commit adultery, I should never even give the appearance that I'm involved with another woman unless I'm married to her. So I won't actually make physical contact in my lifetime as an adult with a female, uh, unless they're my daughters who are younger, who are below bat mitzvah age, kind of before their teens. So uh, you have all these kind of subsets, but a religious Jew believes God exists. The Torah is real. It's God's word for his people. And it's binding upon us. A secular Jew on the other end of the spectrum may or may not believe God exists. In fact, many don't. And in Israel, the community is largely split. Really, you could say a slight majority of Jewish Israelis identify as secular, meaning who knows if God exists. I don't really feel an obligation to keep the Sabbath. If If the Bible is God's word, maybe true, maybe not, but I don't feel like it's personally binding upon me and my family isn't doing things that are consistent with keeping Torah, keeping the the 613 commandments. So that's what a secular Jew means. It doesn't necessarily mean they don't believe God exists, but they don't participate in the rabbinic religious system as binding upon their lives for righteousness sake. So that's religious Jews, secular Jews, Israeli. So, uh, most Israelis, over six million are Jewish Israelis, so they're ethnic and/or religious practicing uh, Jews. But I want to point out, and you know, we we make a, a big point of this for the sake of our listening audience, understanding distinctions and not casting stereotypes. There's over one million, almost close to two million Arabs who are also Israelis. So when we say Israelis, we mean they are a citizen of the modern state of Israel. They have an Israeli passport. That's their nationality. That's their citizenship. Mostly Jewish people, about 75%, but 25% are either Arab or otherwise. uh, Still very much Israelis, but not Jewish. Hebrew, uh, that's another one. And this one's, you know, we see, and the Hebrews or the Hebrew people, we see it sometimes in the Bible. We know. Uh, you've heard pastors talk about, you know, messages from the old Testament and the Hebrew people did this and the Hebrew people went there. It's really not a term Carly that's used much anymore. Like if somebody comes up to you and you say, are you Jewish? And they say, yeah, I'm Hebrew. Like your radar should be going up because this is not a term that's normally used in modern day, but certainly in ancient times it was referring to the Jewish people. And you can find the place in the scriptures where the term is first used. Uh, in the Old Testament, but again, not not a, an identifier for today. Worldwide Jewish community. Again, uh, you're going to get three opinions depending on which two Jewish people you ask. For me, it's somebody who's ethnically or religiously Jewish. Uh, we're going to talk more about that population soon, and then one that we've said a lot on this uh, podcast that for us has a very positive connotation, and for unfortunately for. The majority of the Jewish community worldwide, and maybe even a portion of the Christian community, has a negative or a misunderstood connotation is a messianic Jew. Who is a messianic Jew? A messianic Jew, very simply, in the way we're using it, means a Jewish person who believes that Jesus, in Hebrew, Yeshua, which means salvation, uh, which was his Hebrew name when he walked on earth, uh, that Jesus is the Messiah, the promised Messiah for the Jewish people and for all people. So a messianic Jew believes that. The Messiah promised in the scriptures by the prophets has come in the person of Jesus, in the person of Yeshua, that he died, that he was resurrected on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that salvation is found in no one else, because he's the only name given to men by which we must be saved. That's who a Messianic Jew is. Now, interestingly ultra-Orthodox Jewish people, and that's to go back to, you know, maybe what you mentioned, the person in New York City, maybe they're eating a bagel, maybe they're wearing black and they have long curly hair if they're a man, are also, I'm going to put it in quotes here, you can't see because this is a podcast, I'm doing with both of my fingers the double quotes, are also quote-unquote messianic. And what do we mean by that? Orthodox Jewish people believe, according to the scriptures, the Torah and the prophets, that a Messiah is has been promised to the Jewish people, and that he will come to liberate Israel, uh, to restore that identity that God always meant for the Jewish people to have, and that he will be our Savior. It's just, if they don't believe in Jesus, they believe the Messiah hasn't come yet. So the term messianic refers to the expectation of a Messiah for the Jewish people. Messianic Jews believe Jesus is the Messiah. Ultra-Orthodox, who have a messianic hope, believe he hasn't come to earth yet. Uh, So if that helps. And then finally, you know, one of the groups that uh, the ministry we partner with so much Jewish voice uh, is involved in reaching out to is is what we call the Lost Tribes. So these are non-mainline or we can say non-rabbinically recognized groups who, according to their faith, according to their traditions, according to their oral history, According to their own identity that they pass on to their children and the children pass on to their children, identify as historically Israelite or Jewish, but are living right now scattered in the nation. So some examples of that would be like the Bene Mansha in India or the Ethiopian Jewish community. Some of these groups are still not recognized, others like the Ethiopians now are recognized as part of kind of this worldwide community of Jewish people. Uh, but I would say most in the world are still unrecognized. And uh, we have a whole podcast, or we will at least on, on who these lost tribes are and why that matters for us as believers, why that matters to God, how that's a fulfillment of scriptures. We'd encourage you to listen to that if you haven't. But that's another segment of the Jewish community. So we could go on and I could name a hundred other sub segments, but just to give our, our listening audience Carly some basic terminology in terms of when we talk about Jewish people, it's not kind of a broad brush. All Jewish people are the same and believe the same. There's subcommunities. And again, find out who lives in your own city, find out who lives in the country or the region you're listening and how they uh, identify and what the subcommunities are.
1: So of all of those different sub communities of the Jewish community, How big is the worldwide Jewish population and where are they primarily located?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. And really, this is something you can Google. If it looks kind of like a wacko site that has 38 views in its lifetime, maybe don't go there for your information. But, you know, without mentioning names, there's some great resources online where you can go to get some of these statistics. So the ones I'm providing today are from as late as 2018 uh, so fairly recent before that, the census hadn't been done or the estimates of worldwide Jewish population hadn't been necessarily updated. But I feel like this is pretty accurate. So in terms of people who are recognized as rabbinically Jewish, which means without going into a lot of detail, they have a Jewish mother and they somehow participate in Jewish life as recognized by the rabbis. So they're a member of a synagogue. They've done bar and bat mitzvahs for their kids. They were married under a rabbi. They're recognized as part of this rabbinic community of Jewish people in whatever way practicing the Jewish religion. That's about 15 million people, Carly. Interestingly, 6.6 million of them live in the state of Israel, of those 15 million. And then, not going to be a surprise to our audience, but the second largest population by nation of Jewish people in the world is drumroll—the United States with uh, 5.7 million of the fi- of the world's 15 million Jewish people. After that, you have a significant population in the United Kingdom. Canada has almost 400,000. UK is almost 300,000. France is 450,000. Despite all the persecution uh, of Jewish people there often in the name of radical islam i'm sorry to say uh so that population is shrinking as those people move to israel for safety but there's still a huge jewish population in france uh, australia believe it or not germany the site of uh the perpetrators of the holocaust now 70 something years later has 116,000 jewish people uh living there today uh russia the ma- the vast majority from russia and ukraine made aliyah uh, immigrated to israel in the in the 90s and early 2000s, but there's still upward, almost 200,000 Jewish people living in Russia today, 50,000 in Ukraine, uh, 68,000 Jewish people in South Africa, believe it or not, who moved there, you know, their grandparents and great grandparents moved there as some of the settlers of the the colonies that eventually became Southern Africa. So they're still there today. And there is a kind of a vibrant Jewish community in South Africa. So I could go on, but those are kind of the highlights. 15 million people recognize, having a Jewish mother are recognized as part of the rabbinic Jewish community. Now, what's super interesting is um, the state of Israel allows somebody to return not only if they're recognized themselves as rabbinically Jewish, but also if they have a Jewish parent or grandparent. Now, why? It's called the law of return. Why was that put in as part of this, the setup, the charter documents of the state of Israel? when Israel was formed in 1948. Very simple. And it's kind of an unfortunate reason, but this is the reason because Hitler identified Jewish people, not only as those who practice Judaism, but if they had a Jewish parent or grandparent, they were part of the plan to wipe Jewish people off the face of the earth, to exterminate them. So if I go to a Lutheran church and I'm in Germany, but my grandmother's Jewish, I'm going to the concentration camps if it's found out. So because of that, the state of Israel put in the law of return, which recognizes anybody who has a Jewish parent or grandparent as eligible to return to the Jewish homeland, to the modern state of Israel. So, if you add those people in, the population, Carly, jumps by 50% from 15 million to 22.5 million Jewish people in the world. And then I do want to say, just because we have this strong partnership with Jewish Voice and with reaching out to lost tribes, Jewish communities, those people are not counted currently in any Jewish census but we recognize them we believe they are who they say they are and that conservatively is hundreds of thousands like conservatively it's a quarter million people and i don't mean just kind of estimating i'm talking about groups that we know and have met who say our population is 70,000 our population is you know 40,000 if you add those up conservatively another quarter million i would say even up to a million as groups continue to kind of emerge on the world scene who have always kept their judaism privately under persecution or uh, isolation. So add on another quarter million plus of unrecognized people to that 22 and a half million. So uh, not a small population. Now, in comparison to 8 billion people in the world, uh, a fraction of a percent, but still uh, from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God said, I'll make your descendants like the sand on the sea and the stars in the sky. Well, 22 million is on its way there.
1: Well that's a good explanation of the the population where they live, you know, how they're divided up. You mentioned this a little bit earlier about how, you know, Judaism is is a religion and a culture and I want to talk about if someone can become Jewish. But before we get to that, I want to talk about how our audience can partner with us and get involved to support Israel and the Jewish people. As Ezra mentioned, you know, we work with the Lost Tribes and we have a great opportunity for you, which is if you love coffee and you want to support uh, the Lost Tribes, which is part of the Jewish population, uh, Ethiopia is actually one of the countries we go to when we're setting up medical outreaches and sharing the gospel, so we go to these Lost Tribes in Ethiopia. Uh, And we actually have coffee from Ethiopia that we're able to offer you. And you're not really buying it. You're kind of donating to help us as we minister to them. Uh, You can actually receive it as a monthly subscription if you'd like. Uh, We have a specifically Ethiopian coffee blend that will, as you purchase it, it will help Jewish people be physically healed and receive the gospel. So, if you'd like to partner with us in that way, you can get all the information at a Jew and a Gentile discuss.org. So, back to the conversation Judaism is a culture and a religion. So, my question is can someone become Jewish? Like, someone can become Christian. If someone said, you know, can you become Jewish? What's the answer to that?
0: Sure. It's a great question, Carly. I think, you know, in, in, Christianity, many of our listeners, in fact, would identify as evangelical, right? Which relates to the proclamation of the gospel. Like inherent in our faith in Jesus is this idea that we believe uh, God is not willing that any should perish and that all should come to the knowledge of him for everlasting life, right? So it's part of our identity, according to the tenets of our faith in Jesus, that we wanna share him. And similarly, uh, in Islam, Part of being a committed Muslim is offering people, we'll say, to use gentle language, the opportunity to also become Muslim, right? Join us. Judaism is a little bit different. Uh, There are mechanisms, depending on which rabbinic group you're talking to, for somebody to convert to Judaism. Uh, But believe it or not, it's actually discouraged, not because it's not wanted, but the idea is kind of count the cost, like realize what you're doing. Jewish people are a relatively small people group. It often means persecution. It means misunderstanding. It means commitment, like don't become Jewish and then kind of do whatever you want the rest of the time. Uh, It's a commitment to a community, almost like Ruth, you know, your people shall be my people. Uh, So there is a way. And actually, the biblical model there is primarily Ruth, right? Like I'm leaving behind my old identity and I'm joining myself to the people of Israel. But it's a lifelong commitment. It's not meant to be taken lightly. So traditionally, if you go to a rabbi as a Gentile, as a non-Jewish person and say, I want to become Jewish, the rabbi, I'm smiling as I say this, but it's true. The rabbi's job is to discourage you three times. And if you come back the third time, yeah, and say, no, no, I really want to do this, like I need to do this, then he'll say, okay, all right, now we can talk about it. But you have to come back. His job is to try to convince you this is not a good idea. I have a big smile on my face, but that's the idea here, is it's not something to be taken lightly, it's not easy, but it's doable. So in the rabbinic Jewish system, you can convert To Judaism. And actually, a lot of mixed marriages, what I mean, what we mean by that when we use that term on this podcast is one spouse is Jewish and the other is not, is Gentile. A lot of mixed marriages, you'll see the Gentile spouse sometimes convert to Judaism, not because they have to, but because they want to participate with their spouse in the community as we can say one of them. Um, They're still welcomed in many cases as a Gentile, but it's a different thing to participate as somebody who's recognized then in a lifelong way as uh rabbinically jewish so yes you can convert it's not an easy process it's not widely known but it is it is an option within the worldwide rabbinic system
1: got it okay so you mentioned you know in the first section about messianic jews which is you know something we focus on jewish believers in jesus You know, one of the things that I've heard a lot about Jewish people who accept Jesus is that their families tend to disown them at that point. There's some type of family drama or even persecution within their own family. Why is that?
0: So the person of Jesus, Carly, is is understood to be this originally Jewish man who then kind of struck out and formed this new religion, right? The founder of Christianity, which was a bunch of Gentiles, non-Jewish people, and a bunch of misinformed Jewish people who somehow got deceived away from being good rabbinic Jews and ended up relocating the capital from Jerusalem to Rome. Like, this is the narrative. And so when you say, can a Jewish person believe in Jesus, what people are hearing, one, is the narrative can a Jewish person convert to Christianity? And the answer is they shouldn't. But if they do, I guess that's on them. But that certainly means they're no longer a part of us. It's like they've gone from us to them. So that's the narrative. The history is, as we know, church history somehow over the first few hundred years A.D., or I guess we say C.E. now, changed from being a majority of Jewish believers in Jesus, made up the ecclesia, the church, the body of Messiah, and switched to a majority of Gentile believers who became hostile toward Jewish people and Jewish things. And so this diabolical thing has happened throughout history, where in the name of Christianity, which was originally in the name of the Messiah of Israel coming for Israel and for the nations, uh, to use other language, horrendous things have been done to persecute, isolate, and even attempt to annihilate the Jewish people in the name of Christianity including most recently the nazis so that's the history that's the narrative and then also the stigma unfortunately because the rabbis the rabbinical jewish community are generally so opposed to the message of jesus they've somewhat successfully cascaded this idea throughout most of the mainline community jewish community in north america in europe in israel that to believe in jesus is this shameful act of treason to the jewish people for a jewish person to believe in jesus is to throw away everything our people have fought and even died to protect so that's why a jewish family member may you know as we said look down on um really become upset with even disown in some cases Um, the more religious will actually in extreme cases carly an empty an empty coffin will be buried in a cemetery and what that represents when when a jewish family member of an ultra-orthodox family says i believe in jesus And what that represents is the soul of this person has died. While physically they may still be alive, the Jewish soul of this person has ceased to exist. It's that extreme. Narrative, history, and stigma. It's really amazing. It's unfortunate.
1: Do you think we'll ever see an environment where it's accepted for Jewish people to believe in Jesus?
0: You know, it's already happening. But part of that is you have to overcome the three things we mentioned, right? And that takes time. It takes relationship. And I'll say, you know, pretty boldly, it takes the work of the of the Holy Spirit. Frankly, it takes the work of the Lord, like softening people's hearts, either uh, in the Jewish community or in the Christian community, because a lot of Christians also believe, look, God's done with the Jewish people. If a Jewish person wants to believe in Jesus, that's great. They should. But they're not Jewish anymore. So on either side of the fence, so to speak, it takes a softening of hearts, a willingness to listen. And you know, I heard this story, somebody, you know, was trying to share the gospel, trying to share Jesus with an elderly Jewish woman. And they were just up against, they were hitting a wall for years. They would visit this person and just share gently, share the truth, open the scriptures. And finally, this person said, you know, we'll call her, um, Betty. They said to this elderly Jewish woman, Betty, if you knew that there was truth, but that truth would cause you to change everything you've believed until now. Would you want to know the truth? And Betty thought about it. And at whatever, 80-something years old, she said, no, I wouldn't. And that's the issue, isn't it, right? Because if, if what's true causes me to have to rethink the history and how I interpret it, the narrative that I've heard and what that means in my own life, and... The shame that the idea of believing in Jesus can cause a Jewish person and the guilt of betrayal and being a traitor to the family and the faith. Am I willing to acknowledge that this might be true if it's going to take all of that? And that's why I think Paul said the blinders have to be removed, right? Like this is the work of the spirit so that no one can boast. Because apart from the intervention of God in any of our lives, but especially for Jewish people, the cost is too high. The risk is too great. So uh, I don't know if that answers the question, but uh, there's a lot to overcome. Uh, but fortunately in Israel and in America, you know, there's still tremendous amount of misunderstanding, um, resistance to the idea of Jesus being for the Jewish people, but there's also some dialogues opening up. And as the community of Messianic Jews gets larger, and we can say even more spiritually mature and kind of stands on its own around the world, That dialogue is happening more frequently because it's a community which can't be ignored.
1: So I feel like this is just like a fire hose of information about the Jewish people, Um, but really good foundational information that I hope helps our audience understand kind of the population, who they are, where they're from. Um, But I want to get to some of uh, one of the questions that one of our listeners sent in. But before I do that, I just want to remind everyone that if you want to get involved somehow to support Israel and the Jewish people, you can partner with us. We work in different countries like Ethiopia. uh, And as I mentioned earlier, we have this monthly subscription of coffee you can get. I've said before, you know, Ezra loves coffee and Ezra approves this coffee. And you can hear him like guzzling his coffee in the midst of these podcasts. So go to a, Jew and a Gentile Discuss.org if you want to learn more about that. Uh, but one of the questions sent in was uh, similar to what I just said. You know, someone said, I'm learning all this information and understanding the importance of Israel and the Jewish people. What action can I take to be supportive?
0: Yeah, I think, and you know, you could apply this not only to interfacing with Jewish friends and family members, but interfacing with anybody in the world today who is fundamentally different in ethnicity, in belief, in lifestyle than us. First of all, you know, Jonathan Bernis, the CEO and president of of Jewish Voice, uh, one of our good good friends uh, and really a mentor in terms of what we're doing here with this podcast, often says, Carly, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And so... The first step, I think, is doing things like listening to this podcast, get online, read some books about uh, Jewish roots of the Christian faith, read some books about history of the Jewish people, read some books about the history of the state of Israel. We have some podcast content, but don't only take our word for it. You know, I see things one way, Carly sees things one way, uh, other commentators and writers may see it in an entirely different way. So get educated and seek to listen and maybe understand before being heard. And I know that sounds super generic, but in forming a relationship with a Jewish person, if they know that you love them and they know that you're going to continue to love them and stand with them and support who they are, whether or not they receive the gospel, because you trust that that's God's work, not yours and not theirs, there's going to be an openness that they can't even explain. So don't become discouraged. Do become educated. Do seek to listen and show a Jewish person that you care. Show them that you care enough to understand who they are beyond the stereotypes, beyond the misunderstandings, beyond the politics, beyond the Middle East peace process and conflict, who they are and the history and the narratives and the assumptions and even the hurts that make up how they understand their own Jewish identity.
1: Yeah, that's a great answer. Well, we want to thank all of our listeners for listening to this podcast today. If you want to hear more episodes, subscribe to this podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also love if you leave us a review, share this podcast with someone you know. You can also follow us on social media to keep up with future podcasts. If there's anything you want to have us discuss or have us answer, submit any questions or ideas at a Jew and a Gentile discuss.org. Again, thanks for listening. Join us next week for another episode. If you are looking to get into the holiday spirit, tune in to watch Ezra and I blind taste test different foods from Christmas and Hanukkah. See who can determine which food belongs to each holiday. Watch online at org, and Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah. This show is a production of Jewish Voice Ministries International.